so good. Vision Sunday. I love the beginning of the year, just what God is doing in this house. You know, there's a real sense in me that, you know, man can have his plans, but God will have his way. There's, this real, there's a real sense in me that we have set things in place and things that we are going for, as you should when you are a good steward of what God has given you. But at the same time, there's an element of faith. I just believe that God is going to blow all of our expectation in 2020. Amen. And, uh, you know, tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about prayer. We're going to be praying for people tonight. And, uh, you know, I'm a great believer in prayer. Uh, come on, who believes in prayer tonight? Just understanding that our faith is, is foundational to our prayer life. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've shared the story about Frank and I, the way that we got together, and I won't do that tonight. But just the way, the fact that we have got a healthy marriage today is because the prayers that we prayed even before we got marriage married and you know what just the foundation of prayer just has the power to not only change you today but change you for years to come and you know this year one of the 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 themes of this year has been families to talk about families and uh you know we are believing for breakthrough in families today and there's a passage in mark chapter 9 about a family that is not really doing very well and i want to have a look at this tonight Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 20, 29. There's a story about a family who's got a problem with a son. And it's a severe problem. It is a radical problem. It is a problem that they can't fix. And so they go to Jesus. And Jesus does an amazing miracle in this young boy's life. And he begins to talk about the power of prayer. And I want to have a quick look at this tonight. And then we're going to open up the altar. We're going to pray for people. We're going to anoint people tonight. I'm going to tell you what are the great start to the year 2020. If you can get anointed tonight and prayed for tonight. Come on, who knows that God is the God who opens doors in your life. God is the God who brings breakthrough in your life. So we're going to believe for that in just a few moments time. But let's read this in Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 29. Now when they'd come to the other disciples... They saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, Jesus had just come down from the mountain with a couple of his close friends and he walked into this scenario where there's an argument taking place regarding this child. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran out to greet him. What are you arguing about, he asked. The man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son. I brought you my son who is demon-possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. O oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and he rolled over, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it is a big problem. It's a problem that has been going on for many years. It has often thrown him to the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Have you ever been in that place? You do believe, but God, help me overcome my unbelief. There's this thing that's happening here. Now when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the sin, he rebuked the, the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, which is really quite funny because it is a deaf and mute spirit, yet Jesus is speaking to it. 
because Jesus has the power to go beyond the natural senses right into the spiritual heart of the situation. He says, you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. Mate, what a great encouraging thing for the crowd to say. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not drive it out? And he replied, this kind, this kind can only come out only by prayer. This kind can come out only by prayer. See, church, this is a difficult problem. And the disciples' normal uh, mode of operandum is not working. The systems they had put in place, the things that they had relied on, the, the things that they had been taught weren't working when it came to this particular scenario. It is such a difficult issue and the disciples just can't break through it. And what is interesting here is their failure to deal with the issue actually results in an argument. We see, just, we see Jesus coming down from the mountain with Peter, James and John after this incredible supernatural encounter. And as he comes to the rest of the disciples, he's stopped by the fact that they are arguing with the teachers of the law about this issue that is going on. And this scene opens up as Jesus walks in. Let me just say this. This is a really powerful lesson. And I write this down. It's a powerful picture of what we get reduced to in our lives if we are ineffective in our faith. Listen, that our Christianity gets reduced to arguments, conversations, arguments about theology, arguments about opinions about, you know, things that we should be doing. Let me tell you, you never want our Christianity to get reduced down to arguments without power, you know. And here we say there's a whole bunch of arguing going on because they are ineffective in their faith. They're not doing what God had anointed them to do. And so there's an argument about this and that and theology and why this is not happening. I think it's a great lesson to us. But at the end of the day, there's still a little sick boy that needs help. And while there is a need there, while this boy is, is in crisis mode, these guys are arguing about Theology, it's a powerful picture that when the main game is not the main game, all you do is just argue and you actually don't achieve anything. And Jesus comes and he says, let's focus on the main game. The main game is not arguing about opinions and arguing about different points of view. The main game is about healing people. The main game is about seeing transformation in people's lives. The main game is about seeing brokenness restored. The main game is about dysfunction, to be realigned back to the purpose of God. The, the, the main game is about reconciliation, and this is what Jesus actually does. And so Jesus comes and does that exactly to this boy and his family. And he makes this powerful statement in verse 29, 28. Oh, sorry, 29. He replied, this kind can only come out through prayer. This kind can only come out through through prayer. I want to give you some ideas about prayer tonight that I believe if you take hold of them, they can radically change your prayer life. The first one is, the first idea is this. These aren't points, these are more of ideas. If we can put this up. The first idea is, is this, is that Jesus gives us a lesson on pressing in the flesh versus breakthrough in the spirit. Pressing in the flesh versus breakthrough in the spirit. We see the disciples huffing and puffing and doing this and doing that and arguing and making this happen and trying to sort that out. 
but nothing is working. And Jesus says, this kind is not going to work with the normal conversation. This kind has to be dealt in a different manner. It can only be dealt with with prayer. Jesus says, this kind. What kind? What kind of problem are we talking about? What kind of issue are we dealing with here? What type of problem are we dealing with here? Jesus says, what kind? Listen, the kind of problem that doesn't go away. The kind of issue that still crops up from time to time. Are you dealing with issues that you think are gone, they keep cropping up again? Do you deal with issues that you think that you've dealt with, but all of a sudden they come around the mountain again? Problems that you think that you've dealt with, maybe through conversation, maybe through other means, but they just don't seem to be working. The kind of issue that lies dormant. And then at the wrong time, it just raises its ugly head. We see this particular boy and he has an issue. It is a big issue. And often it would almost bring him to the point of death. And the family had just accepted that issue for so many years until Jesus came along. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a way of thinking. Maybe it's an attitude in your family that just seems to rob your family of joy. We see here that it's an issue, this kind of issue, that doesn't go away. What kind of problem? The kind of problem that can't be fixed with words alone. The kind of problem that can't be fixed with a conversation. It's the problem that can't be fixed with a negotiation or an argument. It's a problem that doesn't listen to your words or your frustration. It's the only problem that can be dealt with when it comes to the power of prayer. There are some things, church, I'm telling you, that can only be dealt with when you get on your knees and you begin to seek the face of God and you say, God, you are bigger than me. God, you are stronger than me. God, you have got more authority than what I have got. I've tried to negotiate this. I've tried to have a conversation with this. I've tried to sort this out. Nothing is working. Only you, only you can bring breakthrough in this area of my life. And you know, I do believe if you get that revelation tonight, there's a difference in Christianity between always pressing in the flesh, always having to work at it, versus an understanding of being a person that understands how to break through in the Spirit, how to break through in prayer. That's the first idea here. The second idea here is a life of prayer. Jesus says this kind of problem can only be dealt with with prayer. What type of prayer is he talking about? Because no doubt the disciples prayed. Was it crisis prayer? Was it quick prayer? Was it immediate prayer? Was it fix me up quickly, Jesus, I need help prayer? There are many different types of prayers that people engage in. He's not just speaking about prayer for the moment. He's speaking about a life of prayer. He's not talking about just prayer for that particular issue at that particular moment. You look at Jesus, he was the son of God, yet many times you saw him praying. Can I say this? How many times did you see the disciples praying? They did a lot of talking. They did a lot of doing. They didn't do a lot of praying. It's interesting in the book of Acts, you then begin to see them pray. They are praying for a move of the Holy Spirit. They are praying for boldness. I think they finally got it when Jesus left this earth, saying, you know what, the secret of his power, we need the same thing. There was a lot more prayer going on in the book of Acts than prayer that was actually going on in the Gospels. And I believe that Jesus was talking to them about the consistency of prayer, 
a life of prayer, a commitment long-term to prayer. You know, one of the most difficult prayers that I believe the average believer struggles with is just a life of constant prayer. But it is that type of prayer that switches from working in the flesh to seeing breakthrough in the Spirit. It's a prayer that moves from the arguments to the delivery of what God wants to do. It's the prayer that moves the hand of God. Mark chapter 9, verse 29, the King James says it this way, this kind can, can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Nothing is going to fix this other than prayer. Paul puts it this way. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. There's this idea in the Word of God that, you know what, little prayers every day make a lot more of a difference than Christ's prayers once a year. That in the journey of prayer, in the walk of prayer, in a commitment to daily prayer. I'm going to say this. One of the things I've realized about my prayer life, when I pray for things over a long, consistent period of time, they move from just becoming points to actually becoming convictions. All of a sudden now, I start to believe what I'm praying for. All of a sudden now, there's a deep sense in me that God is going to do what I've been asking Him for. All of a sudden to me, there's this thing that is permeating my soul, that God is on this. God has got this. God is in control of this. God is going to take care of this. God is going to bring breakthrough in this area. I think many times as believers, we just often just pray. But God wants to add a conviction to your prayer, a faith to your prayer, a deep-seated understanding that God is going to do what He's promised that He will do. But that does not come with the crisis prayer. Come on, church. That comes with you getting down on your knees on a regular basis, seeking the face of God. Come on, God, move upon my family. Come on, God, move upon my marriage. Come on, shift this particular situation. God, will you change my heart? God, I know that my heart is cold in this area. God, will you break something in me? Come on, God, I need you to change things. God, I need you to bring circumstances into my life that are going to help me move even in a greater capacity in your power. A life of prayer. And I believe this is what Jesus was talking about. The third idea here in this passage, and then we'll pray, is this whole idea of faith and authority. Faith and authority. See, what I've realized, and I talked about conviction just a few moments ago, is that what a life of prayer actually brings, consistent prayer, it brings and it builds faith and authority in your life. Faith and authority to deal with big things. Not to deal with little things, but to deal with big things. This is a passage on faith, even though Jesus mentions prayer. Because Jesus says, oh, you unbelieving generation. And then when the disciples come to him, he talks about the mechanism on how to actually get the faith to believe for breakthroughs. And he says, it is prayer. But the rebuke that he does, he doesn't say to them that you didn't pray. He says to them that you didn't believe. But that belief, how does that belief come? It does not come by you doing a whole bunch of stuff. That belief comes by you getting on your knees saying, come on, God, give me an increase in faith. Come on, Holy Spirit, give me an increase in authority. Come on, Spirit of God, I want an increase in faith. See, the problem is with his disciples that there was a whole bunch of shouting and huffing and puffing, a whole bunch of arguing, but they had no authority. They had no authority over the spiritual realm. You know, authority in the Bible is an interesting idea. 
And when Jesus speaks about his own authority, he makes this statement. John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. Jesus talks about not operating on his own authority, but operating under the authority of the Godhead. Understanding that he's not going on his own, just doing his own thing. But there is an alignment of purpose and will because he understands that he's operating under the authority that his father has given him. And the point is this, as Jesus makes the point that he's in tune with the father. And because of that, he was incredibly effective here on earth. So when it comes to authority in the spiritual realm, I think we often think that authority rests on us that we build authority by what we do and how loud we are and how we huff and puff and make a big point about different little things. But I think many times we think authority is about speaking. I don't believe that authority is about speaking. I don't believe that you grow in your authority by what comes out of your mouth. I believe you grow in your authority by how much you listen to the Holy Spirit not by what you do, but by how you respond. Not by what you say, but how much you listen to the voice of the Father. I think in your authority to deal with issues in your life has got more to do with how you listen than how you speak. How you respond than how you act. How you learn rather than when you fail. How you can obey higher authority than doing things in your own authority. How you can forgive rather than how you can remember. How you can give rather than how you can demand. How you can serve rather than how you can expect. Jesus understood the power of his authority. That's why he was such a great servant. Have a look at this. Right, John chapter 13, verse 3 to 5, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Real authority knows how to serve. Real authority knows how to serve. Real authority says, I have no problem. I don't need to look big. I don't need to look important. I don't need that. There's a great sense in me of the authority that God has given me. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. And sometimes it's going to look a bit pathetic. Sometimes it's going to look a bit, you know, I'm writing a leadership message on the things that you never graduate from. All of us want graduation when it comes to leadership and development, things like that. But let me say this, there's a whole bunch of things that we never graduate from. Number one, you never graduate from serving other people. You never graduate from serving other people. You never graduate from this idea of just looking after the little things in your life. You never say, you know what, I've done that, I've dealt with that, it's time to move on. You never ever in the kingdom of God graduate from serving other people. And I believe that real authority just knows how to serve and it is okay. And this is my point when you live a life of prayer. You tune into an authority that is higher than you. You listen to that authority that is greater than you. You learn to honour the authority in your life, 
the authority of Almighty God. It is interesting that disciples couldn't cast out a demon that was blocking the boys' avenues of communication because maybe they weren't listening. Maybe they were doing too much doing and not enough listening. And so they were robbed of their authority. I tell you, church, I believe God is raising this church to be people that have got great spiritual authority. Not people that are huffing and puffing and saying all the right things, but deep down inside them, there's a great sense of authority in their life. There's a great sense of confidence. There's this steely resolve in the inside of them that they know what God has called them to do. And they don't need to look great and they don't need to worry about the opinions of other people. They don't even need to have the accolades of other people around them. But there's an authority on their life to do what God has asked them to do. And I would say is that authority and that, that, that faith for big things can only come through prayer. By listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. God, I don't operate on my authority. I operate under your authority. And so I submit myself to your authority. What do you want for my life? What do you want for my family? What do you want for my marriage? What do you want for me? Maybe this year God is going to challenge you on some things that you need to shift in your attitude. Maybe some things that you were so convinced that you were right because you've never submitted that area of your marriage under the authority of God. But maybe tonight as you do that, God will begin to speak to you saying, you know what you're doing about? You're doing it all the wrong way. This is the way, walk you in it. This is the way that I want to help you.